Hey church, it's great to be together. Hopefully the house lights will come up. You can see each other and see your notes and everything. We're uh, we're series. Uh, this is our second week on uh, called Greater Than, as uh, we saw in the video. Uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, this is the South Bay Church. We're part of the Los Angeles International Church of Christ. Really grateful to have you here today, and uh, believe that you're going to get a lot out of out of the, our time together. Um, you know, have you ever wished that you were greater than in some area? I know, I remember being a kid uh, and wanting to play sports and wishing I was greater than myself. When I was a freshman, I was 98 pounds, uh, and uh, I wanted to go out for the football team, because that was like my favorite sport when I was that age, 14 years old, uh, but it wasn't going to happen. You know, I was just not not big enough, not, not, not large enough, I, I wasn't... Who I needed to be in order to be able to go out for the football team, so I did the swim team instead, which was fine. I wasn't awesome at that either, but I was probably better than I would have been in, in football. But I would have loved to be greater than who I was uh, at that stage in life. My son is that same age. He's actually in eighth grade, but he's the same age I was uh, when I was wanting to go into football. He's a basketball player, and he's, he's like the shortest one on, on his team usually. But he's a great basketball player. He can definitely beat me, and he's good. Uh, but we, he was showing me this video yesterday of a kid uh, who was just doing dunk after dunk after dunk. And uh, he's 14 as well. My son Jameson's like, he's the same age as me. Can you believe it? Uh, you know, here's this kid just skying in the air, just dunk after dunk, this 14-year-old on YouTube. Uh, you know, we all desire sometimes to be greater than ourselves. And uh, we all want to be more than who we are sometimes. We all want to maximize our impact while we're here on this. And uh, can you imagine back at the time of Jesus being one of his followers, being one of his friends? You know, these were just ordinary, uh, regular guys that he chose. And he said, I want you to I want you to walk with me. I want you to, to be my student and I'm going to be your teacher. And, and that was a special thing to be chosen by a rabbi to be that rabbi's student. Usually only the best of the best of the best of the best got to do that. And Jesus chose some really ordinary guys, a tax collector who everybody hated. He chose some ordinary folks and said, I want you to be my students. So imagine being a follower of Jesus for three years and just being around him all the time. I mean, wouldn't that have been a little overwhelming? Uh, it would have been a little bit to me. It would have been a little bit like trying to ball with James or, or Michael Jordan, you know, you just be like amazed. There were times in the Bible where they would say stuff like, is this guy? You know, he's, he's, he yells at, at the storm and suddenly it's calm. And it says they asked each other, what kind is this? And uh, there was just those moments. And yet Jesus said this at the end of his ministry, the night he was betrayed, he said this in John 14 to his, his guys that he said, very truly, I tell you, I've been doing, they will do things than these because I am going to the father. Can you believe that? That he said, you guys will do even greater things than I've been doing. How is that even possible? Well, he says this a few verses later in John 14, verse 16. Father, and he will give you another you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he lives with you 
and will be in you. I believe this follows because this is what he means by us doing even greater things. He would send his Holy Spirit so it would be possible not Jesus in one body, God in the flesh in one man. But he says we're God, the Spirit in all kinds of different people. And so the early, the early Christians understood this, and that's why they even took on the name Christian, which the world, because when the world saw all these people, they said, it's like, so Christian means little Jesus. And so as the world looked, they said, these are like a bunch of little Jesus. And that's exactly what Jesus said, that you will do even greater things because spirit who will who will dwell with you and will be in you. So we're going to do a short Bible study today on the Holy Spirit and what this means. Uh, we're continuing this, uh, this series called Greater Than, and we're, the, the series is going to be looking at the Holy Spirit at work in the book of Acts. So let's turn over, not to Acts yet, but to Luke 24. The reason we're looking at Luke is, uh, Luke wrote the book of Acts, and he wrote the book of Luke. So Acts is kind of like Luke part two. So we're going to start with the very end of Luke before we jump into Acts. And uh, let's pray for a second here before we jump into the scriptures. God, thank you so much to uh, be able to call on you. Uh, thank you, Father, that uh, the Holy Spirit was promised to each one of us. Uh, God, it's uh, amazing to consider that we could do even greater things than Jesus because of the Holy Spirit at work in us. And God, I pray that uh, you would help each one of us to desire the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts today. God, what we just sang about, about the Spirit filling us and moving in our hearts, help each one of us to desire that in our lives. And I pray that you would bless this time of looking in the Scriptures. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Luke 24, the context, I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, Jesus has died. Uh, most of us here probably know the story of how he ended up dying and, and how he was uh, betrayed and, and he was crucified, which was a horrible, torturous way to die. And his followers, they were expecting a little something else. They believed he was the Messiah, but they thought what the Messiah meant was this was a conquering king. And the greatest ruling empire at that time was Rome. And Rome was the greatest empire that had ever been on the planet Earth. And it's been the, the greatest empire ever since. It, was, it had so much power, and it was so evil in a lot of different ways. And so when the... When, when, when the Jews were expecting a Messiah, they were expecting someone to come and overthrow the Roman Empire. So they thought something incredible geopolitically is going to happen. And so here Jesus dies, and they thought, it's over. You know, and, and, and even his critics said, who is this guy? Some small little teacher from, from Nazareth, this little hick town. Who, how is he going to even do anything? And they even thought it was a joke. That was the whole reason they, they put the crown of thorns on him and they put the, the, the ro scarlet robe around him. They were mocking him. They thought, this is so ridiculous that this carpenter from Nazareth thinks that he's the king. That is hilarious. So the, Jew, the, the, the Romans, soldiers, that's why they even did that, because they thought, this is so ridiculous. So his followers at this point, they're disillusioned. They're, they're bummed out. And so two of his followers are walking on this road. And as they are walking along, Jesus himself, you know, starts walking with them. But somehow they were kept from recognizing him. And so it's kind of like a scene from Undercover Boss. You guys, we watch that show all together where the boss is just kind of asking questions of the person. The person has no idea. Remember that the one we watched where the guy 
was even talking about him. You know, who is the CEO? And he's like, he tells him, you know, his name. And, and uh, it's kind of one of those kind of moments with Jesus. And, and so Jesus starts asking them questions. And they're like, oh, you don't know what's been going on? Jesus is like, oh, no, tell me about it. And so they're t- explaining to him what's been going on. And they say, we had hoped he was the Savior of Israel. And so it tells you right there, their, their hopes had been dashed. We had hoped. We were looking for great things, but uh, it just didn't work out. We had hoped. And Jesus gets a little riled up and he says, how, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe. And then as they're walking along the scriptures, he started to explain all the verses in the Old Testament and how they had to be fulfilled and how this is the plan. This is what was supposed to happen. And, and they, as they recount the story, they say our hearts begin to burn within us. As he explained the scriptures to us. And in our, in our uh, Super Bowl Sunday uh, small group, we discussed that and discussed how our hearts get on fire when we look into the scriptures and look at who Jesus really was. And so we pick that up here in Luke 24. This is right after that happens. In, in verse, 20, uh, verse 45, they all get together, uh, all of his followers, and it says in verse 45, Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. There's a few uh, words I want you to pay attention to because we're going to see them in another verse. In verse 48, it says you are witnesses. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city till you've been clothed with power. Witness, power, and promise. Those three things you're going to see in this next verse we're going to look at. That's kind of a, another view of the same moment. So he's saying something amazing is going to happen. This is all part of God's plan. You don't understand God's plan, but just sit back and watch it happen. It's going to unfold. And uh, he says, I'm going to be leaving, but something amazing is going to be happening. And in John 16, which is... is uh, is another kind of parallel time frame. He says, it's even better that I'm leaving because if I leave, then the son, the, the, the son is going to send the counselor. The Holy Spirit is going to come and be with you. So now let's flip over to the book of Acts. So this is kind of, like I said, Luke part two, Acts verse one. And give me an amen when you've gotten there. Okay, Acts chapter one, or start in verse one. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, that's the book of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So we just were talking about one of those times he appeared. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then when they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, okay, is now the time that Israel becomes the leading world power and Rome gets conquered? Is that what's about to happen? In verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, 
He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So those three things we see here as well. In verse uh, 4, it says, you're going to get the gift my Father promised. In verse 8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses. See, all everything, all human history is all coming together, Jesus is saying. Everything in the Old Testament, it's all coming to fulfillment. And, and, and there's going to be power. There's going to be the Holy Spirit at work. Everything the prophets have said is going to be fulfilled right here. And the kingdom of God, this is, the, this is what all the parables I've been talking about are all coming to fruition right here. The kingdom of God is coming. And uh, so you see this connection between power, the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, and being witnesses to the whole world. Which, again, this is just a handful of people. You've got to picture, you've got to imagine that Rome is this incredible empire. It fills the whole known earth. And, and it's demanded that you worship the leader of this empire as a god. You have to worship him. If you want to do business in Rome, you have to swear Caesar is Lord. He is a God. You have to make a little sacrifice to him to be able to even be on the list of merchants. I mean, Rome has all power and Jesus' followers are just a handful of Jews. They aren't even prominent in the Jewish community. They're nobodies. The Jews even look at them. Oh, yeah, this little sect. They're just going to go away. And yet Jesus is saying, you are going to be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God is going to use you to do great, even greater things than, than have happened up to this point. This is going to be amazing. Just watch and see it happen. And so we're going to use this, this uh, verse as kind of our, 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 our launching point for this series. Uh, today we're talking about greater than my view. Next week we're going to talk about greater than myself. The following week, greater than my life. And the last week, greater than my world. And we're keying off this verse, you will be my witnesses. We're going to talk about being a witness for God. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. The Holy Spirit being promised to us, dwelling in us, leading us, and being our comforter, our counselor. Next week, we're going to talk about myself. Greater than We're going to talk about, like, in Jerusalem, kind of expand it a little bit. We'll talk about uh, what the Holy Spirit does in our life. The week after that, we're going to talk about Beyond that, all Judea and Samaria, what kind of impact can our church have in this community? And the following week, the world, we're going to talk about what kind of impact can the church have in the whole world. And, and try to get our, our minds to, to, to open up to what God wants to do. And, and it being greater than anything that we expected. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is huge. If you read the book of Acts, it's all about the Holy Spirit. Uh, many have said the book of Acts should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because as you read the book of Acts, it's just continually the Holy Spirit's doing this and the Holy Spirit's doing that. And, 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 and they don't even have a plan. Jesus' plan is just stay in the city. You know, he doesn't say, okay, put this great plan together. Just stay in the city. You're going to get the gift of the Holy Spirit and then just hold on. And, and you just see that throughout the book of Acts. They, they don't even know what the Holy Spirit is, is going to do, but they are responsive to his leading. And, and the whole world is changed by the end of Acts. The whole Roman Empire is hearing the word of God. The Holy Spirit is huge. And why do we not talk about the Holy Spirit enough? I think there's a fear there. When we talk about when we think about the Holy Spirit, there is a fear there. We got to be a little honest. There's a fear there. Why is there a fear? Well, okay, we live in a religious uh, country. And, you know, in the name of the Holy Spirit, we've all seen a lot of really weird things. Haven't we? Raise your hand if you've seen a weird thing in the name of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So we've all seen some weird things, you know, people doing speaking in these gibberish languages or doing healings or 
doing these, you know, just weird things. Uh, people in the name of the Holy Spirit, they've said, the Holy Spirit told me I need to ask for money. So send me money, you who are watching me on TV. Or else the Holy Spirit said I would die. So send me money or I'm going to die. And if I die, it's going to be your fault because you didn't send me money. You know, just weird things happen. And we can get, get this kind of negative view towards the whole spiritual thing. And we, another thing is that our, our, our family here, our church, we come from a lineage of a, a kind of rational, logical approach to Scripture, which I frankly appreciate. You know, the idea is, if you read the, the, the answers are in the Bible. If you read the Bible, it tells you how you become a Christian. It tells you how to live your life. It's logical. It's reasonable. Because we all have experienced ourselves or have friends or family, you know, where it's all kind of emotional or feelings related. And you can't kind of put your finger on it. You know, maybe yourself, you know, you're searching for a feeling, you're searching for emotion, and, and, and it, it kind of, emotion comes and goes, and it ebbs and flows, and, you know, we want something, okay, what does the Bible really say? And that's all right, and that's all good. However, Jesus said his worshipers would worship in spirit and truth, right? Those are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And so we need the truth, but we also need the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, nothing can happen. It doesn't matter what your logical, reasonable approach is if you don't have the Holy Spirit. So we've got to be willing to, to really look into the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit led the first Christians to do unexplainable, amazing things. They overcame the power of the greatest empire in human history. And it wasn't immediate. They didn't overthrow the Roman government in a moment. But over time, all of Rome was conquered by the kingdom of God. They lived lives that didn't make sense to the culture around them. You know, the people around the Christians were like, these people, are they don't make sense to us. They spread the word of God's kingdom around the whole known world in in their generation. If God's spirit guides our church, we are going to see greater than results. We'll see God-sized activity. But without the Holy Spirit, we'll just be a collection of self-consumed consumers who are all kind of here looking for what I get out of the kingdom of God or, uh, or, or what, what can this church do for me rather than self-sacrificing servants of God attuned to the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. That's who we want to be. Don't you want to be used by God? I know you do. That's why you're here today, because you want to see results in your life. You want to see impact. You want to see the fruits of the Holy Spirit at work in your life and in your family's life. That's why you're here. You know, going back to the analogy I made at the beginning, it might seem a little silly, but if I told you I had an encounter with God and he gave me a miraculous ability to play basketball, you know, you would expect to see some results. Wouldn't you? I mean, you would, if I was playing against Calvin, I mean, you would expect me to beat Calvin. Even though Calvin played college basketball, could have gone pro. I mean, he's amazing. If, if I had an encounter with God, I mean, you would expect, wow, Brian's dribbling, his, his shooting. It, it should be amazing. It should be. I was picturing this in my mind, and the, the thing that came to mind was that movie, Like Mike. You guys remember that movie? You guys saw that movie? I tried to find a clip online, but they, they, they must have pulled it all off the Internet. But I did find Like Mike 2, so I'm going to play a clip of Like Mike 2. You probably didn't even know there was a like Mike too. I didn't know, so it's a click.
So you would expect that kind of result. And that's what happened with the, the early Christians. It says in Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John. Remember Peter before? A little servant girl scared him. Remember that? Oh, no, no. I'm not, I'm not with him. I'm not with Jesus. He was scared by a little servant girl. And yet here he is standing up for his faith against the authorities of the whole city. Saying, you cannot, we commanded you not to talk about Jesus. And, he, and Peter says, Hey, what, judge for yourself whether it's better to believe you or listen to you or listen to God. God told us to talk. We're going to talk. I mean, he had so much courage and faith. It says when they saw the courage and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. If we have the Holy Spirit at work in us, it should astonish people. It should astonish even ourselves. You know, when's the last time you had faith that was astonishing to someone else? When's the last time you were astonished by someone else's faith? You know, I think there are some great examples of people, the Holy Spirit working through people in our fellowship. You know, if you think right now, there, there's too many to mention, but if you think and look around, there are so many people here who really exhibit the Holy Spirit in their life. There's awesome things happening. God is moving. God is using them. You know, I think of, uh, in the singles ministry, the, the, the sister I know best is Betty Collins because she's in the worship team. And, I, and she's just somebody who, to me, she exhibits the fruits of the Spirit. You know, she's always joyful. She's always at peace. She's always patient. I'm sure she's going, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. But, uh, oh, okay, well, when she listens to this on CD, she'll be going, no, I'm not. But she is. That's just who she is. She's got the fruits of the Spirit. The, the Spirit is working in her. And so many people have been blessed by Betty. And, and, and God using the Spirit in her. I just got an email two days ago from a brother in San Diego who leads, uh, who oversees all the worship there, talking about how all these ministries in San Diego just love her song. She wrote this song. It's it's called uh, uh, I'm singing it. You are you are my everything. Yeah, and uh, it's just a, a prayer to God. She didn't write it going, okay, I'm going to write a song that is going to make me famous or you know, all these people are going to sing. It's going to be amazing. She just wrote a song to God because she loves God. And and you know, in one of our rehearsals, she's just like, hey, let me show you this song. And then me and Daniel Luna are playing along with it. But it became a blessing to so many people who are like, man, the song is 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 ministering to me. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is using her. You know, I think of, uh, of Dave and Mary Atkins. Uh, it was so cool to see Ryan preach a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? And, and, and just, man, how God's Spirit has worked in that family. I mean, Dave's wife died. Mary's husband left her. I mean, they went through challenges. If they tell you about their past, we were joking at, at a, at a, we were get together for, uh, for Jackie's birthday and they were joking about, uh, their, their past history and their old sinful life. Not joking like, hey, it's so funny that I did all this, but just, Wow, how far God has taken us. God has made miraculous things happen in their life, and now God's blessed their family and, and their work of the poor. And I feel like the whole uh, coastal L.A. region has been impacted by their heart for the poor. And so we're, we're seeing all these projects happen and all this, all this fruit of the Holy Spirit working through them. And God gets the glory, not them, but it's just cool when you see the Holy Spirit work in someone. I think about uh, the Steberg group. They've had so many people become Christians in the last few months. We haven't even introduced them all yet. We were going to introduce a couple today and it didn't work out. But I mean, God has just been working in their group. Why? Because they're, they're letting the Holy Spirit lead. And it's overwhelming at times. It's scary at times. But the Holy Spirit is working. Let's continue reading here in the book of Acts and, and see what happens here. Acts chapter 2. Let's skip over there. Okay, imagine right now Jesus has died. He's risen from the dead. His, his 
his people are left, and, and they're gathered together. They're waiting for the, the Holy Spirit, like he said, and that's where we'll pick it up. Acts chapter 2. Okay, hold on one second. I copied all the scriptures into my notes except this one. Okay, so we're just going to let the spirit move. I'll just tell you the story. Okay. So they're all gathered together in one place because uh, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And it says, then suddenly the blowing of a violent wind, the sound of a blowing of a violent wind hit, filled the whole house where they were staying. So there's a, a group of people together. Maybe it's 120 or so. Uh, it says in verse chapter 1, there's 120 people. So imagine this. You're, you're with 120 people in this place. You're waiting. You don't even know what God's going to do. He's going to do something. And then it says the sound like the blowing of a violent wind. You ever ever anybody here ever been in a violent wind? I mean, it is incredibly unnerving. Uh, we were for the, uh, the those who are, are parents of, of, of boys. We had a camping trip last summer. You guys remember that? And all night long, the blowing of a violent wind, our tent was like, we got no sleep. It was, it was terrifying. And this sound is so loud that it says oh, the whole town gathered because they heard the sound. And there's thousands and thousands of people. 3,000 people ended up getting baptized. So imagine how many thousands of people, if 3,000 got baptized, how many more were even there? And all these thousands of people heard the sound. That's why they came. So it must have been so loud. It must have been absolutely deafening if you were in that house and then it says then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that came and separated on each of the brothers you know on each one of their heads you know i don't know what that looked like but it must have been really crazy and weird you know you hear this sound and then you look around and there's like this shaft of light or this tongue of fire coming out of each person's head and then they were each able to speak in other languages as the holy spirit enabled them so when this crowd comes together they hear all of these different Languages. Each each person, each each group, each ethnic group hears their own language from these guys. This is amazing. This is incredible. This is something that never happened in in the time of Jesus. Even I mean, Jesus healed individuals. He rose raised people from the dead. That was amazing. But nothing of this scale. Do you know what I mean? Where the whole and entire city heard a sound and came together. And so Peter gets up. He explains what's ha- what's happening, and uh, and he says in verse sixteen. He says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Peter immediately recognized this is what Jesus was talking about. When he said there would be power, when he said we would be witnesses, when he said that this is what my father promised, he knew this is it. This is what was in the Old Testament. Joel saw this hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago that this would happen. This day would come. When God's Spirit would pour out. And and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they're the same thing. Like if you took a penny and put it in a a bowl and you poured poured out water on top of it, what would happen to that penny? It would be baptized, right? It would be immersed in the water. And so when God's Spirit is poured out, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we all get immersed in the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happened at this time. It was amazing thing and then skipping down to the end of his his lesson he preaches about jesus and who jesus was he stands up with courage and faith and he ends out in verse 36 saying therefore let all israel be assured of this god has made this jesus whom you crucified both lord and messiah messiah again that's that king who's conquering the roman empire 
That's that promised leader of a nation. And he says, Jesus is that leader of a nation. Jesus came to bring about this incredible revolution and usher in the kingdom of God. And they respond. They say, verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Okay, so we saw earlier Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to his followers. And he said, wait in the city. He said, this is promised by God. This is going to come. This is going to happen. So they recognized that happened. They got power. The Holy Spirit came. Now, now here's the question. Here's the big question. Is the promise just for them? Is the Holy Spirit just for them? No, because he says right here in verse 39, it's for you. The promise is for you. You repent and you're baptized for the, all your sins are forgiven and you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is not just for us. It's for you. And it's for all who are far off. It's for all whom the Lord our God will call, which is for all people for all time. The promise is for everyone. You can have your sins forgiven and have the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit should be at work in our fellowship. And when the Spirit is at work, it's evident. When the Spirit is at work, there's no stopping the kingdom of God. Jesus says the gates of hell cannot overcome the kingdom of God. When the Spirit is working, when the Spirit of God is unleashed, anything can happen. It's promised. You're no longer held captive by sin. Instead, you can be forgiven of your sin, and the Holy Spirit fill you up. And he, and he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. We're going to get into the, some practicals about the Holy Spirit. Before, before I, I do, I, I want to take a moment on this verse. Jesus, I mean, Peter warned them, and he pleaded with them. Why did he have to do that? Because it's natural to just... Be afraid. It's natural to not want to take a step of faith. It's natural, even when you see what God did for you, even when you're cut to the heart, it's, it's a scary thing to step out on faith. And so I know there are people here today who are kind of on the edge, you know, where you know what, what, what you need to do. You know you need to repent of your sins and be baptized. But you're kind of holding back. You know, for the teens, I know, I know how it is to be a teen. I was baptized when I was a teen. And you're a little afraid, like, well, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on the world and, and you know, friends and, and everything that they're doing. So I'm, I'm afraid. You know, I'm afraid. And yet Jesus, Peter says, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Is that not true today? And those who are older, I mean, I know they would tell every teen, I so wish I made the decision when I was your age. I so, oh, it would have saved me from so much grief that I'm still dealing with 30 years later. I wish I would have made that decision. And so make that decision Save yourself. How come Peter says save yourself? I thought God did everything. I thought Jesus was one. I thought we were saved by grace. How can Peter say save yourself? Why is that? Well, because the offer is there. Jesus has done all the work. The Holy Spirit has promised to you, but now we got to respond. And so we got to respond in faith and, 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 and save ourselves from this corrupt generation by responding in repentance and baptism. A few things about the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is promised. The Holy Spirit is promised. Backing up to this verse we looked at earlier, uh, Jesus says it's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but 
You know him for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is a person. Did you know that? You know, for years and years and years as a follower of Christ, I referred to the Holy Spirit as it. I, I might even have today already because it's just I just naturally do that. It's going to do this or it's going to do that. And yet I, I did a Bible study years ago and realized, and it was just one of those aha moments. There's not one place in Scripture the Holy Spirit is referred to as it. Not one place. Always he, just like this verse. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is not, it's not like this force that you can kind of capture and use for your own, you know, your own desires. Like the force in Star Wars. It's not like that. It, it's. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's a he. It's it's the spirit of God. It's God in this form that dwells within you. It's amazing. And so that calls us to a relationship with the spirit. That calls us to uh, be understanding we have a relationship with this person, with this being. And, and, a, and a relationship with people and how that being, how that person of the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. You know, the Holy Spirit as a person has emotions. You know, there's places in the Bible where it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has emotions. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the creator of emotions. God created emotions. So the Holy Spirit can get frustrated. He can get frustrated with you, living and dwelling in you, you know, when you're, when you're not following him. If you ever try to give someone some advice and they won't listen to it, and you're frustrated with them, and you know what's going to happen. I mean, we had this issue happen over Christmas with one of my kids. I won't say which one, and I'll try to keep it very vague. It wasn't, well, no, I'm not going to say who it wasn't even. I heard a comment over there. Yikes. So, you know, one of my kids, there was something we knew, this is going to happen if you don't follow our advice. And my wife and I both told our kid the same thing. Don't do this. This is what will happen. And the child went ahead and did that. And, you know, what we said would happen, it happened. And the child was crying and the child was upset. And, you know, as parents, you're trying so hard not to say, I told you so. But it's in my mind over and over. I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. I, you know, like this is, I saw it happening before it happened. Why didn't you listen? And at that point, there's no even punishing because the child was already facing the consequences of not listening. But I, I think how many times with the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit just frustrated with us? Because the Holy Spirit, he has the big picture. He understands the, the whole point of view. He, he knows what's really going on. And so he can sometimes be frustrated Going, why do you not listen to me? Why won't you follow me? The Holy Spirit was promised. And so we got to claim that promise. You know, uh, Jesus said we are to pray for the Holy Spirit. Remember the story he told? He said, you guys, okay, let me talk to the dads here today. You know, if a kid, if your son asks you for bread, would you give him a stone? If he says, hey, dad, I'm hungry. Can I have some fish? Would you give him a live snake? Here you go, son. <laughs> You know, I, I've been I've been cooking a lot more dinners lately because Dessa is the the math tutor in our house and uh, doing all the homework. And so I said, okay, I'll do dinners during the during the week. So I'm making dinner every night, and you know, I'm trying to come up with things to feed the kids. But never has it ever once crossed my mind. I want to try to I want to try to give them something they hate. 
I, I, I want to try to make them suffer with this meal, you know. And that's the point Jesus was making. He says, he says, you guys are evil and you know how to give good gifts to your kids. You're evil. But if your son asks for bread, you're not going to give him a stone. How much more then will, the Holy, will God not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we're supposed to ask for the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to call on God and say, God, I need your Holy Spirit to help me. You promised me. Let's claim that promise from God. Number two, the Holy Spirit is indwelling. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. Our bodies are a temple for him, the Bible says, in many, many verses. Here's one example. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, if you want to look on the screen, here's what Paul said. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Just take 30 seconds and just meditate and think about that for a second. The Holy Spirit is in me and I am a temple for him. Just think about that for a second. Isn't that astonishing? I mean, me? I'm fallen. I'm, I'm messed up. I've got sin. I'm, you know, the Holy Spirit is in me. Yes. The Holy Spirit, by the power of Christ, is in you. And collectively, we all together, Ephesians 2 says, we become a dwelling for his spirit. When we come together, all our mini temples, we become a big temple. So there is no longer a physical temple, temple where God's spirit dwells. That that whole, all that stuff in the Old Testament, that huge, elaborate, ornate, beautiful temple of gold that Solomon built, that was a foreshadowing of you. That someday God's Spirit would dwell within you. You are His temple. As you go to school, teenagers. As you go to work, grown-ups. You know, in your family, at home, on the job, on the freeway. convicting as you face new challenges as you face tragedy and pain and hardship and decisions and relationships the holy spirit is in you dwelling in you as you live your life you are a temple of god that's why paul is so emphatic about saying honor god with your body you know one place he says how could you take your body and unite it with a prostitute the holy spirit is inside you and that's why he says you, you refrain from sin. The Holy Spirit teaches us to say no to sin because the Holy Spirit is within us. And in Galatians 5, it says the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And they're in conflict with one another. The spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict. We cannot live submitted to the Holy Spirit and following the desires of the flesh at the same time. Does that mean we are never we're never going to sin? No, we we're going to sin. We mess up, but that's why we get back on track, because the Holy Spirit is in me. Oh, man, I'm so sorry, Holy Spirit. Let me listen to you. Let me keep in step with you. Let me follow you. And that's where in Galatians 5 we get the fruit of the Spirit. There's, there's great things that are produced when we're walking in step with the Spirit instead of the acts of the sinful nature, doing those things that are gratifying the flesh. Uh, a little bit farther in Galatians 5.24, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Is that a one-time thing when you're baptized? No, it's an everyday thing. You know, you get out of bed and you've got to start all over. Sometimes I wish it wasn't that way. It doesn't matter how spiritual you go to bed. At night, you wake up the next morning and it's 
Start all over. You know, deny the flesh, listen to the spirit, and, and, and it's a daily battle. But it can't, can't be both. And we're going to get into more of Galatians 5, I'm sure, in this series and, and our midweeks. But belonging to Christ, crucifying the power of the flesh. They, the power of the flesh, the power of the spirit, they really are mutually exclusive. Uh, so, so, you know, it doesn't mean you don't have the spirit if you sin. It just means you're most likely suppressing the spirit's voice as he's trying to guide you, as he's trying to lead you. The Holy Spirit is greater than our view. We must be willing to submit to his leading. And that's our, uh, our next point, that the Holy Spirit not only is promised to us, not only is dwelling within us, but he's leading us. John 15, it says, When the Advocate comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. You know, there's an importance to listening to the Holy Spirit. Here he's called a counselor or an advocate. He's on your side. He wants you to lead the most effective life possible. Why do we not listen to him? Why do we not commune with him? You know, our, our quiet times, I know for myself, that's the first thing that Satan tries to steal is my prayer life. You know, the first thing, it's just it's so easy for that to happen where my prayers start getting short or on the way somewhere or just kind of quick prayers, uh, you know, and I start relying on my own power without even trying. That's just the default that my, my heart gets sinful and unbelieving, like it says in Hebrews 3. And I just start to try to do things on my own and, and I get human-sized results instead of spirit-sized results when I'm not being led by him daily. It's a decision daily to just stop, get to a quiet place in your mind or your, in your heart or, or physically a quiet place and listen to the Spirit. Let Him lead you. He will give you ideas. He will guide you. He will give you answers if you listen to Him. Listen for His voice and allow Him to guide you. Uh, you know, there's a verse, it's interesting, that the Spirit has a will. He has a desire. Living within you, He has a will. Like in verse... Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, it says, The gifts of the Spirit are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Meaning, the Spirit has given different gifts to different people because he has a desire to accomplish. And so it's our job to, to use our gifts in a way that's in accordance with his will. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with this gift I have, with this talent I have, with this money I have, with this ability I have? And it's interesting in this verse that we just looked at, a big part of that is testifying, isn't it? You see that in that verse, verse 27? You also must testify. What does that mean to testify? It means to say what you know. It means to, to, to speak out, to, to be willing to, 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 to share what you've been through, to share that testimony. The Spirit of the living God is guaranteed to give you opportunities to testify. Will you be willing to stand up in those moments? To speak up, to do something, to reach out to someone, to serve the poor, to, to make an impact wherever you are. The fact is, a lot of times we're afraid. We're just afraid of, of stepping out. Because we know the Holy Spirit just might lead me to do something I don't want to do. The Holy Spirit, He might lead me somewhere I'm afraid. Remember the Holy Spirit, who led Jesus into the desert to be tempted? The Holy Spirit. Does God tempt? No, James says God doesn't tempt, but the Holy Spirit might lead us into a situation where we can prove our faith. And, and we're, I mean, I'm afraid of that. You know, it's like, okay, get ready. But, but that's the way that life is meant to be lived. If you're just kind of being 
if your goal is just to kind of be comfortable and make it through, you don't even need the Holy Spirit very much. But if you're going to have impact, you desperately need the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I think about, you know, the, how the Holy Spirit compels different people to do different radical things, uh, go different radical places, or give up, make radical sacrifices. The Holy Spirit might call you to move somewhere. The Holy Spirit might call you to take on a new ministry. The Holy Spirit might cause you to give up something of great value. Will you listen to his call? You know, we were in Denver last summer, and um, there was a great brother who's been around the church a very long time. Uh, some of you might know him, uh, uh, Jim Hess. And uh, he has a successful company, really comfortable life there in Denver. His kids are like teenagers, and he lives in suburbia in Denver. He's got a very successful job, making a lot of money. He works with some other disciples. He's kind of able to make his own schedule. Great setup, great situation. But he just felt called by God. He just felt like, here's this, you know, because a lot of his work is in China. And, and, and he'd go over there and he sees, here is a billion people that don't know God. And we have some churches here and there. And, we, we, you know, we, we, God is doing awesome things in the churches in China. But there are, there are hundreds of cities that have populations of more than 500,000 people that don't have a church. I mean, there are so many people in China. And he just felt like, I've just got to go over there. And so he moved his whole family, his teenage kids, picked up, left his suburban life in, in Denver, Colorado, awesome place. I'm going to mainland China. You know, later in life, you know, in his 50s or whatever he is. So I'm gonna, and it was inspiring. There was a send-off that, Den, that Sunday in Denver that we were there. I felt challenged. Here's this guy saying goodbye to the Denver church. Nobody said, hey, I want you to move to China. Nobody called him to do it. It was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just put it on his heart. I've got to do something. The Holy Spirit might have called you to be exactly where you are, to be exactly in the community you are, but it's vital to understand. The Holy Spirit did not call you so you could settle in, live out your life in comfortable and superficial peace. His purposes are not random or arbitrary. If you're still alive on this planet, it's because he has something he wants you to do. Do you believe right now you exist not for your own pleasure, but to help others know about God and to be used by God for his will? God has a plan for us. Sometimes we don't know what it is. You know, we don't know what God's plan is. And we can be afraid because it's like, I want to know the whole plan ahead of time. And yet, how many people in the Bible, how many stories in the Bible do you know where God revealed the whole plan ahead of time? Here's what's going to happen. It's going to look really bad. But in the end... I'm going to come through in these ways specifically so you don't have to worry ahead of time. Does that ever happen? It never happens in the Scripture. You know, it's a matter of us trusting. That's what it means to live by faith, that at each moment we're willing to trust the leading of the Spirit. Focus on the response today at this moment. We need to make plans. As a church, we need to make plans. But, but our hope is not in the plans. The hope is in the Holy Spirit in this moment, one step at a time, and what He does Forget worrying about God's plan for your life in one sense. You know, because you can be paralyzed by that. I'm just going to kind of wait until God reveals his plan for my life. You ever thought that? Come on, be honest. You can just get paralyzed. I'm just going to kind of sit back. I'll wait for God to reveal his grand plan. You know, forget that. Just step out on faith in some way today, and God will do something. Uh, you know, the way the Spirit works is all. You never know how this Holy Spirit's going to work. There was a, a story I read uh, about a, a, a sister, a disciple in the New York church who she was on the news because she was in her car. You know, it's it's 
anybody on Facebook that has friends on the East Coast, you recognize they're going through a whole lot of different stuff than we are right now. I mean, oh my gosh, uh, the, the polar vortex over there. I mean, we're living in summer here, and they're, and they're in polar vortex. But anyway, the sister, she's on the road, and she sees this woman who's in trouble in the storm. She sees she needed help. So she gets out of her car. She goes to help this woman in need, uh, an older woman. She helps the older woman in the snow, and in the process, she falls. The disciple fell and hit her head. So she was rushed to the emergency. She, she was taken to the emergency room, and they did a head scan, and they found out she had a, a brain tumor that needed to be operated on, that she never would have known if she hadn't have done that. If she hadn't seen this person in need, she gets out of the car, she helps them. You know, and it was on the news. Why? Because it's, wow, this is amazing. But that's, that's the way the Holy Spirit works all the time. If you're, if you're following what he's telling you to do, he just does different things and, and, and makes things happen where the timing is like, wow, that was amazing timing. I was hanging out with DK uh, uh, this week, and he was telling me how he became a Christian. And, you know, he had a buddy, a co-worker who... He, wanted, he kept wanting to go to lunch with, and every time he wanted to go to lunch with, his buddy was doing a Bible study with somebody or other. And he's like, man, these, what are you doing? And he, he, DK was kind of religious, but he wasn't living, uh, you know, wasn't living it like so many people. But, he, but he, you know, he was like, I, I'm worried about my buddy because he's studying the Bible every day. That's a little extreme. So I want to go kind of see what's going on. So he, he, the next time he says, I'm going to go with you. So he shows up at the Bible study. And it's a Bible study with Tommy Tang and Eddie Marino and some of the brothers in the campus ministry. And uh, needless to say, a few weeks later, DK was baptized into Christ. His buddy never made it, but DK was baptized. The Holy Spirit was working there. The Holy Spirit had a plan. We don't know the plan ahead of time, but the Holy Spirit was leading us. Think about in your life. Just stop for a second and, and, and meditate and think. When was the time you saw the Holy Spirit work? And just think for a minute. I'm just going to let you think for a second, and then we'll talk about that. I know for me, um, the times that I've thought, uh, thought about, every time I was desperate, every time I didn't really know what was going on, uh, every time I was kind of at the end of me, like I had done all I could do, and every time it's like this amazing timing thing that happens, you know, where you just prayed about whatever it is, and then boom, it happens. Like, like even uh, this week, you know, Gina was... Uh, Gina Stickley, who's awesome and part of the, our, our tech team and makes stuff happen behind the scenes, she was on the beach praying, and she's praying about Women's Day, and she's praying about reaching people who are, uh, are artists and who are, um, you know, gifted, and, and she wanted, wants to reach more people. So she was praying, God, let me reach somebody who's an artist. And a couple minutes later, she meets somebody uh, at, our, uh, at, a, at a coffee shop who's now helping out with and performing at Women's Day. You know, and, and she's like, the timing was just amazing. I didn't expect it, like, right then. But that's how the Holy Spirit works sometimes, and you're just kind of blown away. But it wouldn't have happened if, you, if she wasn't praying for that. You know, it wouldn't have happened if she wasn't stepping out and asking God to move. And, and so if it's been a while, if you couldn't come up with much, maybe you're leaving, leading too comfortable a life. Maybe you're, you're not putting your faith out there. Maybe you're not stretching yourself. And so that, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't need to come through. And in that case, I just challenge you to, to really walk with God, listen to the Holy Spirit's voice, and step out on faith. Because we all want to see the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, leading us, guiding us, 
It's an awesome and incredibly encouraging thing. One quick practical thing, just something you can do as far as being a testimony, is we have Women's Day coming up, which we'll hear more about at the end of March. And the guys are going to do this thing called Men's 33. This is for all the men, uh, marrieds, singles, campus, teens, everybody. Excuse me, we're all doing it together. Marco's going to come and share about it in a minute. But we're going to have invitations to that on Wednesday, little business card invitations you can get with you. And just a practical thing for the guys, just invite guys to this Men's 33. Just make a goal. I want to I want to invite at least one guy every week to this. I want to try to get someone there every every Wednesday. Like my goal is to get someone with me there that Wednesday. Maybe you invite one person, maybe you invite five, maybe you invite 15. But but I but my goal is I want to get somebody with me to Men's 33. And for the women, I want to get somebody with me to to Women's Day. This is a great practical opportunity to to share your testimony with someone, to testify what God has done for you. Last point, comforting. Comforting says in Romans 8, 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so you live in fear again, but rather the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. By Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit will comfort you when you are having a hard time, when you are going through discouraging times, when life gets more difficult. The Spirit is there to, to remind you that you are a child of God. It says that the Spirit intercedes for us a little bit later in verse 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. You ever been there? Like, oh, I'm just trying, God, but I don't even know what to pray for right now. We do not know what we have to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You know, he will help us. He will guide us. He will comfort us. If we're calling on him and we're going to do that together before we take communion, we're going to sing a song that God's spirit would would fill us up and collectively sing this song together and think about that, meditate on that as we take uh, communion. I'm putting on this screen that we're not I'm not reading this to you, but I'm just showing this to you so you can look for it on CCB. I'm going to send you some practical stuff on the Holy Spirit at work in your life with a bunch of scriptures. Uh, This is from a great book by Francis Chan called The Forgotten God. It's all about the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to email this to you if you're on CCB. If you're visiting with us, you don't know what CCB is, just go to southbaychurch.us. That's our website, southbaychurch.us. Click where it says CCB for members, and we can get you a login so you can find out everything that's going on with our church, and, and uh, I can get this to you as well. I'm going to email this to you later today. So, uh, so be looking for that. So it says in Galatians 3, before we take communion, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. This means something more to me today after we've gone through this uh, study, that the whole reason Jesus died was so we could have the promised spirit. Isn't that what this verse says? That that's the whole reason he suffered in the way he did. That's why he went all the way to the cross and, and endured so much pain and suffering was so I could have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me. How could I take that for granted? How could I fail to not be led by the Spirit? Why did I not pray more and, and, and listen to the Spirit's guiding when Jesus paid that price for me to be able to have the Spirit? Uh, let's, uh, let's bow with me. We're going to sing a prayer, say a prayer, and then take communion together.